Welcome to Family Shield Ministries podcast and radio program. This is Corrine Jander, your host for today. My guest today is Arlene Pelican, author of Parents Rising, Eight Strategies for Raising Kids Who Love God, Respect Authority, and Value What's Right. Arlene has written seven books and has appeared on the Today Show, Focus on the Family, and Fox and Friends, among other major media outlets. Arlene and I are both married with three children living at home, and we know how daunting it can be to lovingly rear children in a society where wrong is called right, smartphones replace human interaction, and parenting can feel like a losing battle. Today, we will explore some of the strategies outlined in her book, Find Hope, and Lord willing, as parents, we will be inspired to rise up. Welcome to the program, Arlene. Thank you so much for having me, Corrine. Arlene, before I open your book, I was fascinated by the title and curious about its inspiration. And as I read yeah. the introduction, I quickly pulled out my highlighter and my sticky notes because your explanation of parents rising up really began to resonate with me. Please tell us about the title of your book. Yeah, it is this idea that parents we are sitting down when we should be standing up. In other words, when we should be calling the shots, a lot of times the kids are calling the shots. I saw this, you know, just a little example of this at my child's elementary school where a bunch of parents were volunteering. It was in a gymnasium and we're asking the kids to get in line to play a relay race. And I saw one of the parent volunteers ask a little third grade girl, please get in line. Mm -hmm. And she stood there and said, make me. And Mm -hmm. I thought, you are saying to this nice adult who asked you very nicely and who's, you know, sacrificing their time to help you play a relay game, you know, and I thought my grandmother would never have looked at an adult uh, and said, make me, you know, Mm -hmm. to do something like that. So there's something in our culture that is happening because that story is not that uncommon, whether it is a child in a restaurant, a store, a church, a home, that attitude of, you know, you can't get me to do that, or why should I listen to you? You're not the boss of me. You know, this kind of attitude is a lot of why I wanted to write Parents Rising, to encourage parents, don't be afraid to step into the leadership role. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, as parents, we can sometimes feel like we're fighting this losing battle. Mm -hmm. Parenting, it can be such a challenge. So how can we begin to claim victory and step into that leadership role? Yeah, a lot of it begins with that mindset. You know, if you believe that you can do it, That's half the battle. Mm. But when you believe like, okay, my seven-year-old for sure is going to win, or I can't (laughs) get my teenager to stop doing X, Y, and Z, stop playing Fortnite. I can't get my, you know, little boy to wear his bike helmet. All these kinds of things that that parents say, but it has to start with that belief of, wait a minute, of course I can. I, you know, I'm the one that pays the bills in this home. I'm the adult in this situation. (laughs) I can do these things. So a lot of it is mindset of what you believe, and then an attitude to grow and learn. So maybe if things don't come naturally to you as a parent, I certainly didn't know a thing about children, you know, when I had Mm -hmm. a baby. And just having that attitude of learning, like as listeners are listening right now, you're learning, you're having that attitude of, I want to grow, and that's really, really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it is really encouraging to hear that. And I think it's so true that we need to speak that truth into one another as mothers and parents, because there are days that you do feel defeated, like they have won, and you never intended for the day to be a battle. And somehow the day ends and you turn to your husband and you're like, I don't know what happened, but I'm deflated completely. So it is good to hear that truth that we just need to speak 
into ourselves that I can do this. The Lord is the one that put me in this family. The Lord is the one that gave me these children, and he's going to give me the strength to step forward, to step up and rise up. Yeah, and, and you know, sometimes we are so exhausted because we're doing too much that a lot of times it's like, parents, we just have to take our hands off it and let your kids do, you know, mm. let your kids, you know, let them have the mistakes. You don't have to run the lunch over, run the homework over, fix this, fix that, <laughs> keep tabs on this, make this, you know, you get pizza, you get macaroni, let's, you get everything you want. You don't have to do all that because mm-hmm. a lot of our exhaustion, I think, comes from us over catering. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, we want to do things that our kids enjoy. Of course, we want to be loving and kind and put a highlight in their day, of course. But as one of the strategies of Parents Rising says, amusement is not the highest priority of parenting. You do not have to spend your life trying to entertain your child. You can let them, you know, do chores and help you out more, you know, et cetera, so that you are not so tired at the end of the day as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That strategy um is so counter to what is often taught in our culture where kids are entertained at every turn. Why do you think a constant demand for amusement is dangerous? This is extremely unhealthy because let's think of real life. You know, a job interview, uh, a marriage, parenting. You know, is this always amusing? You know, no, Mm. it's not always amusing. And, you know, the teenager today and the child today, if they don't have something on the TV or on their screen that they like, they can choose something else, you know. Whereas a generation ago, we had to wait, you know, for our favorite show. And then we had to wait a whole (laughs) week to find out what happened to the person, you know. Will they survive, you know. And Uh we had to wait. And today's child can find endless options for entertainment, and then they can stream it all in a row so they get everything that they want. And so there's so much choice, and it's so instant. So when life gets hard, you know, multiplication, that's not that fun. You know, AP Mm -hmm. history, you know, whatever it is. (laughs) When life gets hard, it's like, wait a minute, this is not entertaining. And the child hasn't developed that self-control muscle that can say, I can push through this. Or, you know, I've been bored before. I can sit through this class. It's going to be okay. You know, they haven't developed those kinds of muscles because they're so used to in all their spare time being so entertained. And so that is a huge detriment. So if your child is saying, Mom, Dad, I'm bored. You can say, good. Like, go read a book. Go draw. Go find something to do. You do not need to be hyper-stimulated all day long. Mm -hmm. And this is what's so common in our generation. And every generation of parents has unique challenges to the time in history in which their children were living at home. Yet... It doesn't seem like our grandmothers were as stressed out about parenting Mm -hmm. as we are today. So what do you think the difference is? What can we learn from our grandparents' generation? Mm -hmm. And don't you think it'd be so much harder then? Like they had to do their laundry. How'd they do that and their dishes and cook their meals and make their bread? But, Mm -hmm. But I think that if you ask them, you know, are you worried about your children? They'd say... Not exactly. My children listen to me and we have a close relationship. You know, many families were like that. Mm -hmm. And I love what psychologist John Roseman says, that the grandmother of yesterday would simply say, please um, clean up your room. Where today's mom says, okay, honey, we're going to have some people over in about an hour. Mm -hmm. And it'd be really nice if your room looked good. So if you could do that for mommy, that would be a big favor. Do you think you could do that for me? You know, Mm -hmm. the kid's like, no, I don't think I can do that for you. 
So we over talk, we give all these options, we give all these reasons. And I think reasons for a teenager, that's good to start thinking of the whys. But with a two-year-old, a five-year-old, you have to explain, this is why you have to get dressed in the morning. <laughs> you know, this is why you can't throw food across the table. <laughs> these things, they, we're over explaining. So I think we could learn from our grandparents just that common sense mm-hmm. of, okay, you're going to ride a bicycle, you must wear a helmet. Mm-hmm. You know, I have kids in our neighborhood that do not wear helmets. And we'll ask the parents, and the parent will just say with exasperation, oh, I just can't get them to wear them. You know, And I think the grandmother of yesterday, that would not have been an issue. It would be like, okay, if you're not going to wear them, you're not going to ride your bike. Mm-hmm. So we need those common sense things. So it's a good idea instead of always looking at social media, you know, what should we do with our children? Ask your grandma. You know, ask an aunt. As someone who has has done it successfully, and I think we would be the wiser for it. Mm. You know, school for my children started just this last week. And when you get out of that summer routine, you try to get into this new school routine. And I can tell that we're floundering a little bit at home, like a lot of my friends' families are. And it made me think about the chapter and the strategy on boundaries and routines that you talk about. And when reading it, I thought about how in my younger years as a parent, I found parenting routines incredibly boring because as an adult, I really thrive when things change at the last minute and when flexibility is required. But I very quickly found that my children did not thrive when daily routines (laughs) and expectations frequently changed. So I just learned and began this journey of appreciating the blessings of the predictable. So will you tell us why boundaries and routines are important to a child's development? Yeah, they provide that safety and that regularity, like, okay, I wake up and this is what's expected of me. And when I come home from school, this is what I do. Instead of, okay, I woke up and now my mom wants me to do this, and I woke up and now we have to leave a half an hour early. I'm not ready to leave half an hour early. Nobody told me we had to leave half an hour early. You know, so that routine, that same thing of a young child having that bedtime ritual of, you know, here's some milk and we're going <laughs> to read a story and we're going to pray at night. Just that idea of there are some normal things in my life that happen every day. That's really helpful for a child. And even children who live in blended families, and that can be difficult because one weekend they're one place and it runs a certain way. The next weekend they're another place. It's different. Just even little things like having a space in each home that is completely that child so that they don't have to share everything everywhere you know Mm -hmm. just that routine and predictability is so good and so healthy for a child Mm -hmm. yes you know a lot of what you share in this book is great for a family just starting out on the parenting journey as it will help them build a strong foundation you know When I sit with moms at a similar season of parenting life as mine, which is like my children are between 10 and 17 years old, we share stories and encouragements with one another. And you often hear the question, do you think it's too late to implement a new parenting strategy at home? Can I really do this? What do you think about that, Arlene? Yeah, I think as long as your child is under your roof, it is never too late. You know, it certainly changes. Talking to a 10-year-old and boundaries is different than talking to a 17-year-old about boundaries. But as long as they're under your roof, you can still say, you know what? Even though all this time you have been sleeping with your you know, phone in your bedroom, I've been thinking about this. And you need to get enough sleep 
and you know, and and I say this to the parents, you know, nothing is good happening after 11 p.m. You know, they are mm-hmm. not getting texts at two o'clock in the morning saying, "Are you going to be at the Bible study on Friday?" You know, did you read that verse in First John? It's awesome. You know, that's not <laughs> what they're getting in the middle of the night. And so let's say that's a change you want to make with your teenager. Then I encourage always to begin with an apology, not a, I'm coming in here and things are going to be different. I'm taking your phone. But you take your child as a teenager and whether it's a phone or a different thing that you wish you would have done differently with your child. And you say, you know what? I've come to this new realization and I'm really sorry that I've let this go so long. Will you forgive me for that? And I want to from now on try this new boundary that I think is going to be really healthy for you. I know you're not going to love it. I know you don't think I'm so smart to do this, but I do believe in five years you will say, you know what, I'm glad you did that. Mm -hmm. And so come to that child with an apology, with some reasoning, and just let them know it's done out of love. And yeah, you might not love the change, but we think it's going to be good for you. So it's really never too late to do those kinds of things, even with an 18-year-old. That is so encouraging. And I think that the children would feel very valued and respected by just going yeah. to them. They know you're human, right? They know yes. they know that we're right. learning as we go too. And exactly. we what we learned about parenting, if not from a book, is what we picked up from our parents and the generation they grew up in is so vastly different now. Every couple of years things seem to be changing at such a record pace. And and we're just pretty honest with our kids as they get older about the fact that we don't quite know what to do. This is new. And, you know, this whole streaming thing is new. And, you know, five years ago, that was not an issue. So yeah, I think that they would be respected by doing that. You know, you spend a chapter uh, focused on the dinner table, which includes serving your children healthy food. How does the dinner table serve as a reflection of the family? Yeah, it's really that place of belonging, that place of nutrition, that place of hospitality. And so if no one's ever sitting at the table together, right, if you think about your life, oh, we're always on the go, we're always running around, like we rarely sit at the table together, then it kind of tells you something like, oh, we're too busy because we're not eating together. Mm. And so it is the nutrition, let's say, I think if you ate at home versus, you know, eating on the go all the time, I think you have a much better chance of having a nutritious meal. But not only are you feeding your kids, you know, physically good food, but mentally, spiritually, emotionally, that place of belonging when they sit at a table and they know they have a place in the family, right? And they know they have a place to hear about how the siblings are doing, what the parents are doing. They can laugh together. Not, don't make the dinner table like a place for arguing or a place for, you know, assignments and lists and all those things. Make your table somewhere where conversation is encouraged, where laughter is encouraged, where it is on purpose, a peaceful time in your home, not a screen-free time in your home so that your kids can have that belonging. There's so much research that shows the more often a child eats a family meal with their family, the less they have the propensity for drugs, alcohol, you know, bad grades, all the things that we parents are afraid of, mm-hmm. <laughs> the more they sense that belonging, security, love in their family, the less they're going to seek that from other places. So it doesn't have to be dinner. Maybe it's breakfast if everyone's got kind of a big after-school schedule. So just thinking through how in our week as a family can we spend more meals together that, again, are screen-free. Mm-hmm. It takes being intentional, doesn't it? This summer, yeah. we 
have a kiddo who got a job for the first time. So as a family, yeah. we've never had a kiddo with a summer job. And we right. missed him. We had no idea that yeah. we wouldn't miss him. And when we would have dinner and he wouldn't be there, we would just look around right. and think, we miss his humor. We miss his presence. Right. It just didn't feel whole. Yes. And it, it made my husband and I realize we have to be intentional every time there's a transition or change in our family we have to then decide okay how are we going to adjust like you said it could be breakfast or maybe we make sure that there's time in the week for a walk on the weekend yeah Mm -hmm. yes but yeah you do realize that you can't just figure all this out when the kids are young and be like i'm done Mm -hmm. this is what we're going to do because things constantly change don't they That they change yes Mm -hmm. and it is being flexible and adaptable and saying okay what can we do different and then you realize okay when a child says yes to an activity or a job which is a good thing but then how does it affect all the other stuff and just kind of think through all of those things before you say yes to whatever new activity is coming on board Mm -hmm. absolutely So what are some of the things that your family does to keep the lines of communication open, both within your marriage as well as with the children? Yes. We are a big activity together family, and this is totally due to my husband because I am like couch potato. I'm not active, (laughs) but my husband will be like, let's get on the bikes and let's get on rollerblades. So he loves doing things with the kids. So he's the dad that would bike the kids to school. And that was his time to bond with the kids, to be with them, to talk, to laugh together. So he loves doing things like that. We all took martial arts together for about five years. Mm -hmm. And that all stemmed from uh, my husband seeing my daughter get kind of pushed around a little at school. (laughs) And then he was like, we're taking martial arts. But not only are we sending the kids, honey, we're going to go too. So we would be in this kid's class, the two parents in the back. And, you know, we had the time of our lives because we figured as long as we're driving these kids here, we might as well participate. So the idea is whenever you can participate, instead Mm -hmm. of as parents just watching your children do things whenever you can do it with them whether that's hey we're going to learn how to play chess together we're going to garden together we're going to amusement parks together whatever it is that your family could enjoy doing together and do that as much as possible because a lot of times especially with boys it's that shoulder to shoulder time of doing activities together that is more meaningful than just like staring across each other at the table talking all the time mm-hmm. you know and so those kinds of things spending time um, having common activities that's hugely important and then for my husband and I you know one of the principles is that your marriage has got to take the front seat you can't just forget about your spouse for 18 years and then pick it up when the kids leave the house <laughs> And so it's just those rituals, you know, for us, it's the end of the day and it's the last 10 minutes of the day and you're kind of catching up and you're talking and my husband likes to have his feet tickled. That really bothers me. So I never do that. (laughs) So I'll tickle his feet and he'll listen to me. So it's a perfect, you know, perfect combination. Uh I get to talk and he gets to get his feet tickled. So you just do things with your spouse to make sure you're connecting together. Keep kissing, you know, make sure once in a while your family is like, ew, what are you guys doing? You know, then you know, okay, we still got it. So just take an interest in your spouse and and remember that that you guys aren't only parents, but, you know, you were were married lovers first. And Mm -hmm. so go back to that as much as you can. Yes, absolutely. You know, one of the other things you talk about in the book is that in today's culture, a lot of what happens in the family is dictated by the child. Mm -hmm. Vacations are based around where the kids want to go. Schedules are filled with the kids' activities, sometimes to the detriment of the parent 
financial decisions are even impacted by the child's desires. So how do parents take back control? Yeah, I think it's okay to think, okay, where would the whole family like to go? You know, that's all right when you go on vacation. But when it's like the driving factor, you know, we've gotten to this place and now we're going to do every single thing that the kids like. So we're like at Chuck E. Cheese for three days, you know, the equivalent of (laughs) Chuck E. Cheese for three days. And to realize, you know what, as parents, it's good for our kids to enter into our activities too. You know, I remember as a kid, and so does my husband, being at boring art museums, you know, with our parents, you know, walking around or listening to classical music in the car or watching some TV show we thought was boring. You know, that was part of life. That was a a child observing what is adult life like, Mm. where now it's all adults having to watch what is kids' life like, right? It's we adults, we cater everything around the kids, and then we watch what the kids are doing, or we're just on our own smartphone or device while the kids are enjoying whatever it is they're enjoying. So the idea here is it's okay if your kid has to be, you know, a little inconvenient, so you and your husband see something you're really interested on during your vacation, that's mm-hmm. okay. You know, it's okay if your kids have to wait for you to take a certain, you know, I, I had a, I met a, a woman at a park and she loved to play volleyball. And I asked her, well, when was the last time you played? And she said, oh, not since I had kids. I couldn't bring the kids. Well, they were big kids. You know, <laughs> they were like five, you know, and three. They weren't like these teeny babies. And you know what? They, it's okay to get a babysitter and do something that would be good for you. It doesn't always have to be everything centered around the kids. Mm-hmm. And so just in your budgeting, in your vacation planning, in your meal planning, where you go to restaurants, you know, it doesn't <laughs> always have to be all centered around your children. Sure. What advice can you give the parent who really wants to grow as a leader mm-hmm. and, and, but doesn't, doesn't quite know what to do? Yeah, I think that we live in a wonderful age. We've talked about the ills of technology, and that certainly is true. But this is also an age where you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to the radio, you can watch webinars, you can so find a parenting voice that resonates with you, a favorite author, you know, a teacher, go to a seminar, and immerse yourself in learning something. So, you know, think to yourself, okay, I'm going to attend one parenting seminar. Mm-hmm. So if anything comes into my area, you know, I'm going to go to it or I'm going to pick up this parenting book, you know, whatever it is that, that you just think about it, whether it's parents rising or a different parenting book, but that you learn and then look around you. If you see parents that seem like, wow, their kids are turning out okay, you know, <laughs> and they seem like they are sane and happy and calm, you know, take them out to coffee and say, hey, you know, I have these kids, they're seven and eight, they do this, this, and this, what would you do, mm-hmm. you know, and ask them. And even, you know, grandmas and grandpas, whether they're your own grandma and grandpas or your friends, grandma and grandpa, <laughs> I'm sure they would love to be asked, you know, what's some advice you could give me? Mm-hmm. So seek that wisdom, and I think God will certainly give it, and then act on things one at a time. Don't overwhelm yourself with 20 new things to do but just act on one thing at a time and don't just have good intentions, actually change your behavior so that mm-hmm. something actually changes in your family. So one habit might be, hey, you know what, we're gonna stop watching TV during dinner time, and that's what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. And then that's your new thing. And then once that becomes super normal, then you try another thing. But just give yourself specific steps to become a stronger parent. Mm. And I think, we know what it is. I, I think sometimes we think we don't know 
yeah. the change that needs to happen to bring peace in that moment or whatever. But when you sit down and think about it, I, I think we all know that our families are completely individual and one family is not mm-hmm. like another. And, mm-hmm. and I think that the Lord will put it on our heart and uh, just say, you know, let, let's focus on this topic right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that is such a good word, because if a family just came to the Lord for 30 seconds and said, Lord, I'm going to just be quiet, and can you please give me insight on what our family needs to do? Mm-hmm. That 30 seconds would be so much better spent than the minutes and minutes we spend scrolling through social media, comparing, <laughs> you know, like, oh, they went there. Oh, she got this award. Oh, maybe mm-hmm. I should, you know, go to this class because so-and-so, they're doing this, you know. We would be so much better if we tuned out of that more into that, you know, out of that comparison world and instead just sought God directly, like, God, what do you want for my family? And you just will be so much more healthy and happy. Mm, Absolutely. This has been such a fantastic discussion. As we bring it to a close, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? I would just love to share that last strategy that our job as parents is to launch adults and not to baby children. Mm -hmm. I remember my son Ethan was in fifth grade and I had had this habit since he was two of doing our bedtime story, of doing our highlights and me putting on clean socks for him. Well, he's in fifth grade and I'm shoving white socks on his huge feet and I'm realizing what in the world am I doing? You know, I said, Ethan, what am I doing? He's like, you're my servant. You know, and he was laughing and I told him this is the last night I will be putting on your socks because from now on, obviously you're big enough to put on your own socks. But so many times it's us as the parents that we are not ready to let go to that next stage and we're kind of used to doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So let's embrace that they are becoming adults and shift gears and just realize how can I better equip them to be an adult instead of what can I do for them to keep them a baby so they're dependent on me, you know, till they're 25, <laughs> you know. So we need to do more, a, a better job in preparing them for adulthood. Mm-hmm. And you've got some really wonderful practical specific advice in that strategy in the book as well and i would encourage um, listeners to check that out um you know it's just been such a pleasure to have you with us today thank you so much for sharing your time with us thank you so much for your wonderful questions oh you bet my guest today has been arlene pelicane and the book we've been talking about is parents rising eight strategies for raising kids who love god respect authority, and value what's right. It's an inspiring, practical, and encouraging book for parents. Her website is www.arlenepelicane.com. You can learn more about Family Shield Ministries at www.familyshieldministries.com. This has been Family Shield Ministries podcast and radio program. Thank you for joining us today, and God be with you. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com 
or Wright Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.